Jesus got jokes and God has a funny way of getting a hold of you. Because it, it'll come in ways that you least expect it, but you most resist it. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks. Come from a different cloth. Y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo with the rucker paw. Now we eat it from state to state. We scrape the plate. I put my eggs in the basket. Took a leap of faith. I took a chance. Now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests. Now let's bring Matt. Hey, my friends, welcome to an all new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. Before diving into this episode, I want to make sure that you aren't missing out on the content that we are dropping weekly on Mondays and Thursdays. With that being said, Apple, Spotify, and other podcast platforms are continuously shaking things up, rightfully so. With the podcast market continuously booming, things are being switched up on the platform, so to ensure that you aren't missing out on any episodes, we're requesting that you smash hit that follow button for all of our weekly episode drops. Generally speaking, the follow button might simply just say follow or it's a plus icon and generally speaking, it's also located in the upper right-hand corner of where you're listening to this episode. And again, that's to ensure that you aren't missing out on the content we're producing and sharing with you. Now on this episode, we are being brought through a story of how persistent and mysterious God can be when calling on you to serve. And when I say calling on you to serve, what I'm really referring to is the mission, the purpose that God, the universe, whomever you may believe in personally has put on your heart and on your soul for this particular lifetime, for this time around. My brother Yaya Bakar vulnerably shares his journey of breaking free from the boxes society, culture, religion, and beyond place on us and himself while he was resisting the signs God was putting in front of him to then reaching his epiphany moment, which is exactly where he is joining us from today. This episode is full of relatable stories no matter what your profession is, no matter what your race, religion, country of origin, anything in between. It is super, super relatable because each and every one of us, no matter what we believe in, Ultimately, we are all human beings, and that is exactly what this is. It's a story of being human, finding purpose, illuminating the path, and putting trust in faith. I'm really excited for you to join us because Yaya, like I said, is so vulnerably sharing his journey of seeking the validation or keeping the peace with his relationship with his pops or what he was seeking for searching for when he was on a quest to find his mother like, honestly, just so mind-blowing how someone can show up so raw and vulnerable. And this was the first time Yaya and I met, which is why I'm so excited for you to meet him if you haven't yet or get reacquainted with him if you have as he shares these very, very vulnerable and intimate stories of his journey and his life, all with the purpose today of making an impact in your life. So on that note, another call to action. I hate to throw too many call to actions at you, but you want to know what? I have to. I have to. We talked about hitting that 
follow button, hitting that button so that you can continuously be informed when our episodes are dropping. But furthermore, there's someone in your life that has no clue that decoding success exists. And you have the opportunity right now to spread the impact that Yaya is sharing here on this episode with them. So not only am I going to ask you to click the follow button, I'm also going to ask you to click the share button. Put this in your group chat. Put this on your Instagram story. Make sure you're tagging us if you throw it on social so we can show you love and say thank you. But ultimately, making sure that this reaches someone in your life that needs to hear this message, these stories, and feel the impact that is being shared. On that note, without further ado, we bring to you Yaya Bakar. Yaya, what's up, brother? What's up, Matt? How you doing, brother? I'm good, bro. Your energy feels good right now. I'm having a, <laughs> I'm having a wonky day. I'm having a wonky day. You came on with a big smile, bro. What's going on? Nothing much, man. Just hanging out. Um, excited for this interview, get to know you a little bit more and see how I can add value to what you're building. A hundred percent, dude. We're already recording. So let, let's, let's just dive in. Let's um, dive. Let's go. What's going on in your world right now? Um, well, the short of it is I had an encounter with Jesus and my whole life turned upside down. Okay. <laughs> that's the, that's the short of it. Um, what, but, what does uh, that look like? What is that? What does an encounter with Jesus look like for clarity purposes? Cause I have had people on the show that have like died, f- like pronounced dead and saw the other side, came back to life. I've had people, you know, just epiphany moments. What was that for you specifically? No, I just, he just came to visit me, touched my heart. And I didn't, I didn't understand at first what was going on. And I fell down on the ground and I just started crying mm. and I left more confused conflicted a bit because I used to hate people who would talk about Jesus all the time. So for some context, I was born in Mecca, Saudi Arabia to a Muslim Syrian father and a, right. and a Buddhist my mother. And they split up a few months after I was born. And my dad got married 12 times with 12 different women. He had 11 divorces. His third wife was um, became, became my stepmom. And so she brought me to the United States when I was five years old. And then I grew up, I was raised by the, an Iraqi family pretty much. Right. And I always had this thing of like, okay, where do I belong? Who am I? I you know, I kind of look Asian persuasion, but I'm <laughs> raised by Arabs, you know, so I didn't understand. So there was some context there in my, my teen years, my dad came back from the middle East. He was busy building his empire, a uh, business empire. You know how Arabs are, it's oil, oil money and, <laughs> you know, Arab money. Sure. So, so in the, in the middle East, you know, they're big on family structures, family wealth, family businesses. So my dad was grooming me to become a successor of the family wealth. So I was supposed to be like a trust fund kid in simplicity, you know, terms. Sure. And um, I'm the oldest of uh, eight brothers and sisters. So I was responsible to teach them how to steward the wealth properly. When I turned 18, it was kind of like um, it was too much pressure for, you know, a, a young guy, you know, trying to carry it's like David and, and Solomon, you know, sure. Um, it was just a lot. And so yeah. I, I just told my dad, I was like, no, Baba, I don't want to manage the family businesses or anything like that. So he pressured me to become a doctor. I wasted four years of undergrad. Um, I had three options, doctor, lawyer, and engineer, but I, I said, I'll become a doctor. Um, and then I wasted four years of undergrad. I dropped out one semester short of graduation. Um, I told my dad that I wasn't going to become a doctor. He kicked me out of the house. My friend mm-hmm. invited me to his home and he said, you know, you should become a motivational speaker and life coach for young people. And I was 21 at the time. 
So this was January of 2011. And uh, I was like, dude, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And he was like, bro, you gotta, <laughs> you like to help people. You're a positive guy and you got a big mouth. You might as well get paid for it. And I was like, I'll sleep on it. Next day I went on, you know, on Google and I typed in motivational speaking life coaching programs and I found two. Um, now, what's the point of me sharing all of this when it comes to Jesus? Because one thing that you'll learn through my story or my testimony, I should say, is that Jesus got jokes. <laughs> <laughs> And he has a very mysterious, humorous, interesting way of preparing you for your assignment when you least expect it, right? And so now it shouldn't catch you by surprise that there were people who were trying to convert me to Christianity since I was like 14 years old. You okay. know, like, oh, you have, you're so anointed. You're, you're, oh, you got, if, if only he got a hold of you. Like, and I used to hate people who would talk like that. I was like, yo, shut up. Like, just <laughs> go business, you Jesus freak, leave me alone. Right. And yeah. I've always felt that way about people who, for, and it was just mainly like people who were Christians. Okay. Like, it was just, it was just them that would always try to force me with Jesus. Like, they just, I uh, forgive me if, if I have any viewers who are like the religious police here, but I used to call them people raping you with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. They just want to force, 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 force this whole thing. Um, and, you know, at that time, when I was 17 years old, I left Islam, but I didn't tell my dad. So I, I left him, you know, I left the religion secretly, still sure. lying in front of my dad because to him, being Muslim was very, very, very important, you know? And so... I not only lied about my spiritual beliefs, but I also didn't tell him about the girlfriend that I fell in love with because in the Islamic mm -hmm. faith, you can't be dating anybody, you know, outside of the faith. You can't be dating, period. You just got to get engaged and then get, that's why my dad had to right. marry because his game was like, listen, I like you. Let me propose to you. Let's get married. And then I'll see <laughs> if we're going to fit. So in the, in, in the, in the Arabic culture is a little bit different. So, um, Anyway, to make a long story even longer, uh, I went, I continued the path and it wasn't until I was like 25 where I finally told him the truth. But before I, I hit 25, I was 21, was trying to figure out what to do with my life. My friend told me I should become a motivational speaker, life coach for young people. I found two programs. One by Tony Robbins and another guy named Josh Ship. One for speaking, another for coaching. And it was like nine thousand bucks total. And at that time, I was like, "Man, these guys are scammers. If they really wanted to help people, they should just give it away for free." And I watched a video on YouTube trying to figure out who this Tony Robbins guy was. And he had a video called "Resources versus Resourcefulness." Mm -hmm. And he basically said, "It's not about having the resources. It's about res being resourceful enough to go after what you say you want." And most people think money is the only form of resource. No, but you have your time, your energy, your attention, and money. But if you don't have the money, you have your time, you have energy, you have attention. You can put the focus in going all in for your calling. So I said, you know what? He's right. Let me figure out a way to make it happen and get the money that I need to move in this next direction. And so I gathered, I raised some funds, started cold calling a bunch of people who are quote unquote my friends or on my contact list, on my phone, but I haven't talked to them in years and I'm like, hey, I'm going to change so many people's lives. I'm going to be a motivational speaker, life coach. I just need like $9,000. Could you help a brother out? And all of them said no, except like two people who said, you know what? It takes guts to do what you just did. Um, 
I'll invest in you. I don't know if you're gonna, you know, make it happen, but I'll invest in you. So I raised like four thousand dollars there, and then I got two jobs: one as a chiropractor's assistant, and one as a waiter. And from there, I took the money that I had, and the whole year I started investing to these two mentorship programs. And within one year, I had forty paid speaking engagements, and I was the youngest graduate in Tony Robbins coaching program. And then that oh, next year, sure. I became dean of students for the speaking program out there. Started teaching other aspiring speakers how to make an impact and income, sharing your story and your message. And at that time, I was still young. I was 22, so I wasn't going to be a life coach, you know. Even though sure. I've like lived like crazy stuff. Um, so I just niched down. The riches are in the niches. I niched down the speaking side. I did that for a few years. Then when I was 25, like turning 25, I wanted to go find my birth mother. Cause that was like a big piece of my life. And I was like, well, if I found my mom, my life would make sense. Mm. And I wrote a letter, a thank you letter to my birth mom for giving life to me. And as I wrote the letter, I went on Facebook and I wrote, does anybody know how to translate the English language from the Thai language? Tell me find my mom. Cause my mom's from Thailand and didn't know anything about her. I just had a baby picture and a birth certificate from Saudi Arabia. And, um, one lady messages me and it was, uh, she, I, I went to a, a school where they taught like meditate, like transcendental meditation. It was like a, an Indian school, but it was accredited university. I was taking my prerequisites to become a doctor. Um, and this is before I went all into the speaking coaching side. Right. And, uh, this lady said, Hey, you should reach out to this lady in Thailand. She's a head meditation teacher in Bangkok, Thailand. I reached out to this lady in Thailand. Turns out her brother has a history of reuniting parents and children after being separated for decades. Wow. And it just so happens that he has a number one TV show in Thailand. So that's sick. That so it was like within a 24 day time frame. So imagine me writing a letter, posting it on Facebook, and then boom, within 20 this is there's power in social media. Right. That was like the first real personal transformation. Like most people are using social media, you know, to increase their influence, which is amazing to make more money, which is amazing. All of that. But I had a, a real transformative experience with the power of social media because I found someone who was a missing piece of my life for over two decades. Absolutely. You know, so reunited with my birth mom on national television when I was 25 years old, I, I brought my girlfriend and my best friends out there. Uh, and it was like a movie. <laughs> Literally, it was it was crazy because the way I reunited with her was like I was set up to be a bartender, and she was supposed to be in the hotel, and she was working at the at the at the airport right next to it. It's called Swanapum Airport, and there was a Novotel uh, Airport right next to it, and she was just being set up by the entire the host, and then she didn't know. And then I they said cup of orange juice, and I came in with my orange juice. And then I just said, hi, mom. And she was shocked. We were both in tears. I was like, I was a wreck. Yeah. Um, and so it was such a big moment for me. Imagine being 24, 25 years old, having decent amount of success, but still having this like missing piece of your life mm -hmm. that's affecting who you think you are and where you believe you belong. Yeah. Right. My mindset at that time was like, if I found my mom, my whole life would come together and I'd make sense of my purpose and what have you. So I went in, that was amazing. I reunited, I saw my family in Thailand. Turns out my, my, I look exactly like my grandfather, my mom's, my mom's dad. 
he was uh, a general in the Air Force, the Royal Thai Army, or Air Force, excuse me. And like, it was crazy because you know the like the argument of nature versus nurture? Sure. Well, it was weird because there were certain things that I would do naturally growing up. Like I love mango, mangoes, right? And I could beatbox with a harmonica. And it was one of the things when I used to go up on stages, like, you know, high schools are the toughest crowd to speak to, like teenagers. They're kids, yeah. Yeah. So like I had to figure out a way to capture their attention in the first five minutes and then like talk about the deep stuff in the middle. And so I would just pull out a harmonica and a beatbox. And I was like, where did I get this harmonica thing? Then I find out well, my grandfather's trying to impress me. He's 87 years old, right? He has this huge bandaid on his right hand. And I'm like, what, what happened to your head? He climbed, the dude is 87 years old. He climbed his mango tree in his backyard to grab me an apple mango. Right. <laughs> I'm like, they're built differently in, in Thailand. Right. So, and then he, he wants to impress me. So he brings out a bunch of harmonicas and he starts playing them for me. I'm like, yo, that's where I get it from. You mm -hmm. know? So like, just imagine like this whole time I've been feeling like, you know, a square trying to fit in a round hole. Yeah. And now I find my family and I'm like, oh my God, this is why I like palm trees and mangoes. And it's connected to my DNA. Um, right. And then a few months afterwards, I invite my mom to come to visit me. And without getting to the details, it went downhill very, very quickly. Okay. And it was not what I expected. Um, she had like a bipolar moment and she said some very hurtful things at the time. She ripped up my baby picture and threw it in my face and said, you're not my son. Like she punched me. Like it was like really bad. It was, I was not expecting that. Right. And we went to a period where we tried to heal and mend, but you know, it takes two to work on a relationship. So mm -hmm. I wanted like a translator. I wanted a therapist. I was like, listen, I'm willing to make it work, but it was, it was just tough. So I kind of saw the dark side of it, which kind of left me in a place of trauma and more drama. And it was crazy because at 25, I was at the peak of my success in my career, right? People see a motivational speaker talking about overcoming adversity. I had two executive producers reach out to me at the time to have my own TV show about reuniting families and who were lost from their children. Sure. But I had to say no to both of them. Right. And I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot because I'm taking know. notes, bro. You're good. Come on, let's go. We're yeah. doing this. So, so I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't what's going to happen. So I made it an important note at that stage of my life to say no to fame and success and say yes to healing my wounds mm. and building the family that I never had growing up. Yeah. And so that year when I turned 25, I also proposed to Kate, who's she was my high school sweetheart. She was a girlfriend that I kept a secret for seven years. Yeah. Right. So we met when I was 15, she was 14. We got together, we built, you know, an amazing relationship there. And we went through five years of long distance. It was tough. Most people our age, like I'm 35 now, she's 34. They wouldn't have done what we've done, but because I saw my dad being financially successful, but emotionally bankrupt. And I saw the, the, the hole that was left inside by no amount of women fulfilling that void. Cause he's a good looking guy. He could have gotten anybody he wanted. Right. <laughs> I was like, not, nah, I've seen it. Doesn't work for me. I'm going to, if I find a keeper, I'm going to keep her. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I just focused in 
and just stayed with one person. Not to say we were perfect in any way, but we worked through, you know, we worked through our, our challenges growing up. Um, and I proposed to her and I made it a commitment after the whole thing with my mom to build a family that I never had. And then I went to go invite my dad to come to my wedding. And then my dad says, are you having a Muslim wedding or no? Mm. And I said, no, no, we're just going to keep it like, you know, open, not a religious or anything like that. Then he asked me the question that I've been avoiding for years. He said, are you Muslim or are you not Muslim? And so I lied to him. I said, of course, Baba, I'm Muslim. Like, why would I pray five times a day and fast during Ramadan? Which the right. truth was, I would only do that in front of him. Right? Behind closed doors in, in Arabic, it's called manafiq. You're being a hypocrite. You say mm -hmm. you're doing one thing, but you're doing something else. So I just told him, I was like, uh, three days later, I fly back home. And I'm like crying in the parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, why does this have to happen to me? Like, what did I do? All I just want is a father to love me, my dad to love me. Because my, my, like, I just reunited with my mom. I thought it was going to be everything. Then she left me again. And I just proposed. And the only thing that I have close, closest to my blood is my father. And I'm afraid, like, I don't want to lie because I'm afraid to lose him and lose the love that I thought I had from him. But the truth right. of the matter was, he didn't know the truth of who I was. He didn't know me. He, know, he knew an idea that I was giving him of me. So I called him up and I said, Baba, I want to tell you the truth about my, my faith. He's like, what is the truth? I said, I'm not a Muslim the way that you want me to be a Muslim. If you want to call me a Muslim, you might as well call me a Christian, a Hindu, a Buddhist, or a Jew. Because I believe in living by the values and the principles of every great messenger and prophet that's walked this earth. Mm. And that wasn't enough for him. So he said, you're not my son. And then he disowned me. Now in the Islamic faith, if you're disowned under, under Sharia law, which is the Islamic law, you are no longer part of the family inheritance. Like you're done. You're outcasted. Sure. Right? So I basically said no to, <laughs> we'll just say a lot of to money. money. Yeah, it, yeah, to money. Yeah. yeah. But, it wasn't, but it, was, it wasn't even about that. It was more of like my love that I had. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of losing that. So I was, I was hurt, but I was free at the same mm -hmm. time. I felt like a burden was taken off of me and I made a vow to myself that I was going to be the father and build a family that I never had. Mm. And I willed my way to success. So shortly thereafter, I mean, despite, you know, I invested like half a million dollars into my own therapy. I did like all these things that were so unsexy at the time, like, you know, bioenergetics, uh, psychotherapy, therapy, EMDR, everything, because I was like, I am not, if I want to get married, I am not going to transfer the trauma yeah. that I carried from my family. It, it, it stops with me. I'm changing the direction of my family tree. I'm going to be the one. And, and I, I was, and I, and I did it all in 2018. I had my, my daughter, my first daughter. Um, that was my first year of making millions. Uh, I was, I kind of pivoted from the speaking side. I started mentoring other thought leaders on how to monetize their message, find their voice on their value. Um, and it was amazing. I loved being a dad. And then in 2020, we had our twins born and <laughs> we had a double portion of everything that year because 2020 was crazy, right? Like Very. I, the, the father in me came alive. So my kids were born in January uh, of 2020. So great start. And then like March COVID hits and mm -hmm. the lockdowns and 
everything happens. And at that time, like I was working with some of the biggest influencers and thought leaders and entrepreneurs, right? Who wanted to learn how to tell their stories better, how to monetize their message, their expertise. If they have knowledge, they're coming from different industries. They want to make millions along the way because they want to give more to people with that money. So for whatever reason, I, I could see what was going on in the world. And I saw a massive wealth transfer that was happening. And I saw a bunch of lies that was being propagated on media. Mm. And so I used the small platform that I had, which wasn't a lot, right? I had clients who are bigger, you know, more influential, more famous than I am. Um, at that time, I had like 88,000 subscribers on YouTube. I had 50 some thousand followers on Instagram. Those were like my main platforms. And I just started using my platform to speak about what I thought was going on. And I said some controversial stuff that was very polarizing um, at that time, especially this is before like telling the truth was cool. Right. 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 It, was, it was like when nobody was talking, there was only like a few that could count, at, you know, in my fingertips. Right. It's right. like just a few. And so I was saying it and then I, I literally saw the algorithm shift right before my eyes. Like I went from 30,000 views per story to 3,000 in one night. And it was like the suppression happened, like I, I, I censorship. And then somebody that used to be, used to know me back in the day, started seeing what I was doing and then started like smearing my name and then did copyright strikes. And, you know, long story short, my YouTube was deplatformed. So I lost my YouTube channel, the whole thing. So it, it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. And I, I came to the conclusion that social media has become socialist media. And I have mm -hmm. no desire to build an empire on quicksand. And so that happened. And I said, hey, I'm not just a regular coach. I have a lot of experience and knowledge when it comes to not just making money, but how to keep it, how to grow it and how to gift it because I was taught that from my dad. The grace of wealth that I carry is not my own, it's from my father originally. You see, right. in, in the, in, when you're building generational wealth, there are four phases. You have to make money, you have to keep money, you have to grow your money, and then you have to gift your money. Most people focus on making money, but they don't realize that it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep, grow, and gift, right? Mm -hmm. So for me at the time, I was so focused on building generational wealth and healing generational wounds. And I knew, that there was a massive wealth transfer. After 2020, I could see it like dominoes, right? I knew that there was going to be a massive wealth transfer and it was happening generationally, geopolitically, technologically, and even spiritually. Now, at that time, my spiritual beliefs were, I believe in the universe. I believe in, you know, harmony existing in diversity. The world is my family and the whole nine. And uh, I just didn't believe in, in religion. And I still don't believe in religion. Right. And so but it was interesting was what was getting my awareness was politics and finances. Mm. And I started speaking to very wealthy families who could relate to what I grew up with. Like these are people who are first generation wealth creators or second generation wealth, uh, you know, inheritors who are wanting to pass on that wealth to the next in line, which are the millennials. And they needed somebody to mentor the the next generation of financially illiterate people because most people, they don't know how to manage that money and, and keep it for the next generation. So right. I was getting hired by some families to support because that was kind of my message. Um, and then in the process, I had an interesting happen 
uh, interesting thing happened in November of 2020. I had a vision and the vision was to move my whole family to Florida from New Jersey. Okay. And I had three things like there was like three outline. We're going to move to Florida. I was, that was number one. Number two, I was going to retire my in-laws three years earlier so that they can spend time with their grandchildren in Florida. And then number three, I was going to get a huge family estate where all my clients could fly in and, and, and everything. Right. So we can, you know, be a confidant, if you will. Sure. And we moved down to Florida the month that we moved down to Florida. So this is February, 2021. So this is why, like, I believe Jesus got jokes and God has a funny way of getting a hold of you because it, it'll come in ways that you least expect it, but you most resist it. <laughs> okay. So I had a client reach out, a potential client reach out to me and she was like, I am working with a mentor right now, but I don't think it's the right fit for where I, where I feel like I need to, to move into. And mm -hmm. I heard you come highly recommended. You're like the best kept secret in the industry. I want to work with you. I said, I'm not in business. I'm not taking on clients like that anymore. These are the people that I'm working with. She was like, please, please, please. I said, no, 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 no. But she was very persistent. She's like, how much is it just for a day on my yacht? I said, it's 50,000. So she said, where's your wire info? So she sends me 50K for the day on her yacht. That week, we're doing a VIP day. I help her. Within 30 days, she ends up getting 5X return on her investment. So she makes 250,000, right? Her husband... <clears throat> took a liking to me because he's been supporting her in this passion project of working, you know, helping, changing people, being a coach or whatever. But sure. I'm the only one that's been able to help her get results. Mm -hmm. He's like, what do you know? Like, why are you different than every other coach? And so I told him my background. And then he's like, okay, this makes sense. And then uh, he took a liking to me. And, you know, he's a little older. He's in his 60s. And they invite me and my wife to have dinner with them with two other couples on their yacht. We're sitting down and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel myself a little bit because I'm like, I'm 30, like I'm, I'm in my early thirties, you know, this just happened in 2021. So it's 2023 as the time of this recording. So I'm like, and they're like in their fifties and sixties. So I'm sitting down and the, uh, the lady, my client, she says, Hey, I invited you because I believe Jesus is chasing you. Oh, and, shit. and I just looked at her. I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. Cause it's not the first time I hear this. Yeah. But I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. Like I, I downplay it. I'm like, that's, that's nice. That's awesome that you're having that experience. <laughs> like that's it. Right. Okay. Then her, then her husband and I, we start talking and as we're talking, his name is Phil. Her name is Tara. Right. So you'll hear me say Phil and Tara. That's who they are. So, so Phil starts talking and he's like, so tell me about your dad. And I tell him about my dad and basically I tell him what I, what you just heard. And I just say like, yeah. you know, I kind of built my success on my terms and I didn't need a handout from my dad, never asked him for a penny and I'm self-made and blah, blah, blah. And here I am and X, Y, Z. And I, at that time I had like an, um, it, at the time it was like a $50,000 Rolex right? It was like a 41 millimeter presidential day date. Okay. And I, it was like the first time piece that I had. And I got it as an heirloom for my son, Taj. Mm. And so, you know, I, I was just like so caught up in my image at that time, <clears throat> even though I thought I wasn't. And we drove back home, my wife and I, as we were getting back home, she was quiet the whole ride. 
then we finally, you know, we change, we get in bed, we're about to go to sleep, it's late, it's like one o'clock in the morning. Then she opens her mouth and she's like, so what was that about? I was like, what do you mean? What was what about? She was like, you weren't yourself. I'm like, what? She's like, the last time I saw you behave like that was when you were trying to get the approval of your dad. Mm. And then I got defensive. So I said, I'm like, what you talking? I don't need no approval from any man. Like, do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> I all got like macho and like, we got in a little argument and and then I went to go use the bathroom even though I didn't need to use the bathroom, right? <laughs> I, as I forced myself to pee, I started thinking, I was like, ah, she's right. I wasn't being myself. I kind of felt like I, had, I was like posturing or, you know, and uh, I went back. I apologized. I said, you know what, babe? You're right. I wasn't being myself. I'm sorry. She's like, no, don't need to, you don't need to be sorry. I don't care about being right. I just want you to be aware of it. Mm. And I just had like a moment where I was just like, huh. I took a few steps back. Like, it was just like one of those things. I just took a few, step, few steps back. Then I felt, felt somebody touch my heart. Like, I felt pressure on my left chest. And it was a gentle pressure. It was like a gentle push. Mm. My back hit the wall gently, and I collapsed on the ground. And then I just started crying for like 10 minutes. I didn't, I didn't know why I was crying. I was just crying. But the only thing that I rationalized in my head at that time, it was like a realization. Even though I overcame my need for my biological father, I never overcame my need for a father in my life. Mm. I need to look for a father figure. So then I go up to Tara and Phil and I tell them, hey, like I just want you guys to know this is what happened after our conversation. just want to thank you. Uh, and I looked at Phil. I was like, hey, Phil, listen, um, can you be my father figure? <laughs> can you imagine a successful man telling another successful man if you can be a father figure, right? Sure. So he got a little uncomfortable. And he was like, uh, hey, buddy, listen, uh, if you want a father figure, you should just go to my dad. And I was like, well, who's your daddy? He's like, well, Jesus is the way to the father. Mm -hmm. I'm like, nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I don't. Maybe you could be like a mentor, you know? Cause he's like very successful. He's in private equity. He has like eight different jets, 15 mansions. Like, like I was like, okay, I could receive your leadership if you can, you know, help me and mentor me in that season. So we go on a few, the next few months, she, uh, Tara ends up hiring me uh, per month. She's like paying me 10 K a month now, like after the VIP day. And she's preparing for an event that's happening in February of 2022. Okay. As we're preparing for this event, she hires me. She has 18 women roll, roll into this event. And um, we come up with an offer for her audience, a uh, small workshop. And she ends up selling like $400,000 from, from this shit. small thing, right? And she's like a Ferrari parked in the garage. She's amazing. And um, she wants to, she says, yeah, I want to share like a motivational video with my ladies here. Um, I have these two videos in mind. One was called Ripple Effect and the other was called The Life of an, Andre of an Entrepreneur with a guy in a red Ferrari. I was like, oh, I know this guy. Uh, I'm actually having dinner with him next week, Patrick Bedavid. Mm -hmm. And he's the founder of Valuetainment, right? And um, we were supposed to connect to kind of because he just moved to Florida from Texas. I moved from Florida from Jersey. So like we were, we just linked up we're like, hey, we're like neighbors. Let's, let's connect. Um, and so I said, you should sh share this video with them. The life of an entrepreneur with Patrick David. Next week, 
I go see Patrick. We go to his studio, Valuetainment. We take a look. Beautiful. We go to his house. I, him and his right-hand man, Mario, were together. I'm in his house. I meet his family. Beautiful family. They have the largest like residential property in Fort Lauderdale. Beautiful home. Um, and you're like, hey, you want to get a bite to eat? I'm like, yeah, sure. So on our way, I'm in this truck. We're on our way to the Italian restaurant. Then I get a text from Tara. She sends me a picture with her hugging another lady. And I'm like, wait, that lady. I said, Patrick, is this your wife? He's like, yeah, who's that girl? I was like, that's Tara, my client. So again, this is like the, in, in, back in the day, I used to call these divine synchronicities. Now I call yeah. them God moments, right? But mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's weird. They don't know each other. Like, how is that? Turns out they're like neighbors. They live 10 minutes away from each other. And their kids okay. go to the same school, but they had no idea that they were connected. So I was like, okay, that's weird. So then we go, we're sitting down in this Italian restaurant. We start talking, Patrick and I and Mario, we start talking about business, real estate, private equity, the state of the world, what he's doing with Valuetainment, the, the vision that he has, and yada, yada, yada. And then I find out why we're really sitting down. And he's like, yeah, yeah you know, I think you, you're, you're amazing at what you do. I mean, you know, um, we want to invite you to have your own show on Valuetainment. And I said, no. And he's like, why? I was like, well, social media has become social media. I'm not interested. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, think about it. You got to think of the 20 year vision, not the five year battle. Right. It's like, you got to use their own weapons against them. And so you just got to have long term. And I was like, okay, I receive, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll think about that. He's like, but if anything changes, just let me know. I said, okay. Then he pulls down his blazer. He's like, what do you really want to do? I was like, well, what do I really want? You want me to be honest? He actually asked, asked me, what do you really want? That's what he asked me. And I say, well, if you want to be honest, I want a father figure. And he's like shocked that I say this. And he's like, because it, it wasn't the context. Like we right, right. lead up, warm up. It was just what? And so he was like, well, if you want a father figure, you should go to my dad. I'm like, who's your, who's your dad? He's like, well, Jesus is the way to the father. And he pulls out his Holy cross. Shit. I'm like this. I've heard this before and I ain't buying it. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm good, bro. Maybe you could just be like a mentor. He's like, well, we'll figure it out. And then he tells me his story, how he was an atheist. He grew up in Iran, yada, 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 the whole line. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, said, I said, one day we'll, we'll, we'll connect and we'll talk about it. So we leave. So that was February of 2022. The next month. So this is March. March 15th is my oldest daughter's birthday. I decide to take my, my in-laws and my wife and my kids to Disney World. So we drive out to Orlando. On our way to Orlando, all of my kids get sick. Like mm. diarrhea, throwing up, fever. Like you can't make it up. I'm like, right. what? So we basically spend $7,000 just to stay in a hotel room for the next couple of days. Right? Disney ain't cheap. <laughs> it ain't cheap. And it wasn't worth it at that time. But it actually was worth it because – I don't know if there are any parents who listen to this or, mm. you know, if you can relate to this, but my kids, there were my, the age range was like four years old and two years old. Mm. So it was like, I had three kids under four and they're all in a similar season of growing. So it was tough. So when one kid is sick, imagine times three. Right. And so 
I haven't slept in the last five years. So <laughs> there, you know, at that night I was just like, I'm, I'm not going to sleep. So let me just stay up. Let me watch something. So I get mm -hmm. my headphones on. I open up my, my laptop. I was like, let me go to Amazon prime. I open up Amazon prime. And as I open up Amazon prime, there's two documentaries that show up right in front of me. One was called show me the father. And the other was called father of lights right next to each other. I'm like, all right, that's weird. So I click on show me the father. I watch it. It's a really good documentary. It was about like the statistics and the, the problem that happens when you grow up in a fatherless home or what happens mm -hmm. in society when you don't have a father. I was agreeing with the whole thing. It was amazing. It was a well done documentary. Then there's this last couple of minutes before the documentary closed. There's this guy named Bill Johnson comes out and he's like, well, that's why Jesus is so important at a time like this. And then I got so mad. Like I got triggered. <laughs> what trigger needs to trigger you before you transform yourself? Mm. Okay. So I got triggered and I was like, why does everything have to be about Jesus? Why can't you just keep it separate and let's remove Jesus from the entire picture. Okay. So I was mad. Then I watched this other thing called Father of Lights. And it was like a weird documentary. It was like about like supernatural miracles, signs, wonders. And to be honest, I was skeptical about the whole thing. But I had nothing else to do. I was going to be up all night. So I just said, let me just watch this. Now, this is technically March 16th in the middle of the night. Like it's after like, you know, in the AMs. So I watched the whole thing. And it was like, it was like a weird it was like a weird thing. There was one guy who caught my attention. He was like this blurred out Indian guy. Throughout the whole movie, he was blurred out. So you couldn't even see his face. You could hear his voice. Right. Then at the end of the movie, it was like weird because something happened where he woke up. And he's like, I had a dream that I'm supposed to meet this guru at a place that I even know. And then he just started moving. And the, the production crew was following him. And they're like just as confused as he was. He's like, I don't know where we're going, but I saw this red thing. And then he sees the red thing. He's like, I think we need to move in this direction. So I'm like, this is either staged or this is real. <laughs> either way, it's entertaining. So I'm, I'm watching the thing. And then they finally find this area. He's like, oh, this is what I saw in the dream. And then they go deeper and they see this, this Indian guru looking guy with like orange all over with a beard. And they approach him and they're like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I had a dream that I was supposed to meet someone who's going to change my life. Something like that. Mm. And I'm like, wait, this guy had a dream. That guy had a dream. They both had a dream. That's I like, this is, this is a good story. Right. But I'm still thinking it's fake. Then he's like, yeah, I need to give you to Christ. Mm. And he's like, well, I know, you know, when dream, when I have a dream like this, it's going to change my life. And God, I believe God was speaking to me. So, I'll receive it. Turns out this guy was like a big guru for a huge ashram, had like thousands of disciples and they all gave their life to Christ a few months after. Holy shit. So I'm like, that's crazy. So then at the end of that, that documentary, I was like, okay, all right. I'm having this conversation in my head in the middle of the night. It's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, all right, Jesus. <laughs> If you are who you claim you are and you're the only way to the father that I'm looking for, I'll accept you. But you have to give me a thousand miracles by the end of this year.
Hmm. That I was like, I thousand? didn't tell I said a thousand. I didn't tell. I mean, this, it was just like, I didn't expect anything from it, to be honest. Like, right. I'm just thinking like, it's whatever, right? I'm just saying it. I just, you know how sometimes you just speak your mind and you don't think yeah. about what you're saying? So I just said, but I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell anybody. So technically that day, that was on March 16th, I accepted Christ with certain conditions. Mm. The next week, I get on the call with that guy who was blurred out. His name is Ravi. Blurred out on the thing. And I just book a call like on a Monday and on Tuesday, I'm speaking to him. I found out that I can get on his calendar. So I get on and the first thing he says, ah, yes, finally. God told me you were going to call me. Holy I'm like, shit. Now I'm skeptical, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I've done NLP hypnosis. I know how this game works, okay? So I'm thinking like, okay, anybody. You could have said that to anybody. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, he told me specifically you were going to – I was like, wait, did he say my name? He's like, no, no, no. A month, a month ago, about a month ago, he told me a man from many nations was going to come to me. Bring him home. We have a lot of work to do. Mm. So I'm like, okay. He was like, he told me you would be tough to talk to and you're skeptical. Um, but he told me to ask you, what's your story? Where are you from? So then I told him, I was, you know, born in Mecca, Saudi Arabia to a Muslim Syrian father and a Buddhist Thai mother. Was raised in the United States by an Iraqi family. Married to a Dutch Italian woman and our kids look like they're United Nations in one <laughs> He's like, exactly. A man of many nations was going to come home. He's like, have you received Lord uh, um, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I said, no, but interesting you say that because I just watched these two documentaries and I had this conversation, I guess, it was between me and Jesus. And he said this, and, or I said this. And he's like, yeah, he's, well, he's answering. This is one of the first miracles. And he's like, all you got to do is the Lord's prayers. And he just, I just repeated some words after, you know, after him. And he's, you know, basically saying, you know, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I invite you into my heart. Fill me up with mm -hmm. your spirit. I accept the sacrifice that you've paid for my sins. And uh, I see you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Like something like that. And I said it, but I was reluctant. But the moment I said it, I felt lighter. Mm. Like a burden was taken off of me. And I felt like it was weird. I guess I can describe it as joy. Like I was just like giddy. Right, like right. It was like a weird giddy feeling. And so I left that day. Next day, I tell my wife, babe, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. She thought I was joking. Because mm. remember, I didn't think I told you this, but I actually converted her outside of Christianity. She grew up in, as a Christian. Right. But I, she left Christianity. I left Islam at the age of 17. She was 16. And we we're like, let's just fight for our love together. And so it was shocking for her to hear that, you know, I, she thought I was going through a crisis of some sort. And to some extent, I was. But I believe every identity crisis is an opportunity to draw you closer to Christ. Mm. And there's, the reason why I'm sharing that is because there's someone right now who's listening to this, who's growing, who's growing through a season of transition. But there's a reason for this transformation that they're about to experience. And they Absolutely. don't know why they're growing through it. But God, in his infinite wisdom and in mysterious ways, has a plan for you. This is why he says, walk by faith, not by sight. 
So after that time, like literally 2022 has been a year of supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. Like crazy. All, I, all I'm doing now is just building, like growing in, in my capacity of love with him and learning how to receive a father's love. And then I look back at my life, I'm like, oh my God, I was really like struggling with something called the orphan spirit. You know, did you know that every superhero that you know of right now on the top of your mind, all of them were orphans? Yeah, for the most part. Batman comes to mind right away. Superman. Yep. Spider-Man lost his parents. Wonder Woman didn't know who her parents was. I mean, you like I can go down the list. You'll never see a superhero who knew their parents. Mm. And it was interesting because when you don't have parents or the right models of parenting, what ends up happening is the birth of the orphan spirit comes alive in you. Mm. And you have two ways to respond. One, you can respond as a victim or one, you can respond as the victor and become the hero. Okay. You can become super independent or super dependent or codependent in the process. Right. For me, I just so happened to go to the extreme on the other side where I became the superhero of my life. I was the father figure for everybody else. I was the leader. I was that, but who do I go to? Right. I had no one to go to. I was too ashamed or embarrassed to tell people that I'm struggling. And quite frankly, most people that I looked up to at that time, there weren't, there weren't someone that I would want to get marriage advice from or life advice or business advice from. Like they didn't have the whole package. Right. So I didn't know it at the time, but I was possessed by the orphan spirit. And the orphan spirit always struggles with these two questions. Who am I and where do I belong? Mm. Another way those questions are framed is what is my true purpose? Why am I alive? And so this is the foundation of self-discovery. But when you're lost, you're trying to find yourself along the way. Mm. So when I was found in Christ, everything started shifting. The best way I can describe it was like, for the last 16 years of my spiritual new age journey, because I believed in everybody, right? Like I didn't, I was never, I, I never wanted to be exclusive. I didn't want to say, oh no, you're that faith. I can't, I never, and I'm still like that now, right? I never want to impose my beliefs on anybody because I know what it feels like to be on the other side. Right. But I always felt like I was on a private jet meeting people from all walks of life, but we never landed. Mm. and it wasn't until I, I established my identity in Christ that now I have a peace that surpasses understanding it makes no sense Yeah, I have a love that's not dependent on my circumstances or the people around me it just flows through me like and it's now that I look back on my life and this is why I say Jesus got jokes because I realized something profound in my journey and I'm speaking to all the people who are still searching okay this is what's profound. There are many ways to God, but there's only one way to the Father. Mm. In the Bible, in John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Mm. Now, this, is, this, is, this might get a little controversial. This is going to trigger some of you the way that it used to trigger me. But I'll do it. Now, I used to hate Jesus freaks. Now, I've become one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So when you asked me like, oh, so what's new in your life? I said, I'm, I had an encounter with Jesus and turned my life upside down. It's because imagine, imagine you built your entire identity thinking one way, right? At that time, my identity was so rooted in my family and in my finances and what I've mm. built my image on, which is family and wealth, right? Like that's right. what it was. And then all of a sudden this whole thing happens. And this is what I tell people. I never converted to Christianity. Never, till this day, never converted to Christianity. I got transformed by Christ. Mm. Completely. Meaning, before my encounter with Christ, no one could have quoted scripture to convince me that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. No one. I've heard it all. <laughs> I've had people praying on me, and I just, I just sit there and thinking, like, these guys are so messed up. <laughs> they, they really think I'm going to go to hell. Yeah, I know more than them. And like, this is what I was thinking at the time, right? Right. Now I know their heart. Like, I know where they were coming from. But like, in my mind, I'm like, these guys are crazy, mm. right? But now I see, I'm like, whoa, if it wasn't for my encounter, it was like, now that I've like, it's funny because I never read the Bible before until this, like, this last year. And somebody mentioned this to me when I was telling them about like what's been going on. They're like, Oh, you're, you're having a Saul to Paul encounter. I'm like, what is that? Mm. Saul was like the persecutor would kill anybody and persecute anybody who believed in Christ and was, was on his way to kill a bunch of people who believe in Christ and had an encounter. Jesus blinded him and he's like, Whoa, he blinded him for three days. And he's like, why are you persecute me? He's like, Lord, what do you mean? He's like, and he's like, ah, what did I do to you? And then Ananias came in and opened up his eyes. And then he became a believer. He became full-blown Jesus freak. Now, that, that. that Paul wrote 17 books of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And Ananias was like, what? That guy? That guy killed my like, family. What do you mean? This is the guy? He was attacking our people who believed in you. He's like, don't worry. You will be useful for my glory. Mm. So it goes to show that when God calls you, he doesn't call the qualified. He, he qualifies the call. Meaning, mm. it's not because of who you are, what you've done. or anything. It's, it's because of how useful you're going to be for him. So I'm like thinking, maybe, just, maybe, maybe Jesus touched my heart because I got a big mouth. And when I'm... <laughs> When, when I'm all in, I'm all in for the calling. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's no turning back. And I, I, I laugh because some of my clients, they've, they've, seen, they've been with me long enough. And, you know, I have followers who, who've seen my genesis, like from 2011 to now, right? And they've, they've kind of grew with me. Like, my wife grew with me over the last 20 years. And they're, like, shocked. They're, like, I knew it. I knew it was just going to happen. It was just a matter of when he wanted to get a hold of you. And it, it really puts perspective because it made me realize one thing. Me, Yaya Bakar, I can never save anybody. Mm. But I can always lead people to the one who saves. Mm. And the only thing that I have is my story, my testimony. And like if it, if it hits home, amazing. If it doesn't, I get it, <laughs> right? And But I, I, told, I told God, I was like, Lord, I never want to get back on social media or get back on stages or work with anyone if I can't glorify your name. 
Before mm. Christ, it was all about building my name, Yahya. After Christ, it's all about building his name, Yahweh, in Jesus' name, Yeshua's name, right? So it's like, now I'm, I'm like all in for the calling and there's no turning back. So when people ask me, so what's new in your world? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. And he turned my life upside down, inside out. And here I am. <laughs> I love it. Yo, do you have to run in, in eight minutes or do you have a little extra time? No, I, I, got, I got some time. I got some time. Okay, let's, cool. Let's, Let, let's break this down a little bit. I mean, I'm going to go back to the beginning of what you said because I'm curious. I mean, I understand to an extent, although I haven't experienced it, I mean, I, I have my mother in my life. I grew up with her, et cetera. So I can understand to an extent why you would want to pursue that. But one thing that you had mentioned that I took note of was the fact that like you felt there was a missing piece in your life. Yeah. So two-part question here. Number one, what was filling that void in your life? Was there something in particular? Because when we allow space, things creep in. And then second part, what did you expect or what did you hope for, I should say, in regards to reconnecting with your mom? Like, what did you ex like feel that mm. you wanted out of that? Yeah. So the short answer or the simple answer is I thought that I would finally know who I was and where I belong because it's, it's hard growing up not knowing how or where you fit in mm. and why your mom and dad weren't together. Mm. You just don't know, right? And so what I was hoping was that when I found her, like it's beautiful when I look back because like God's grace is so profound that he gave me the opportunity to find the very thing that I thought was going to be the missing piece in another human being, but it wasn't. Mm. Right. And so I thought that if I found her, I'd make sense of my life and my history. And at that time I was 25 years old, so I could make sense of my 25 years of life. Right. Um, but it, it actually, what it did is it opened up such a wound. It almost broke my heart even more because at 25, it was like the biggest chapter of my life at that time. And I reunited with my birth mother. She left me a few months after. I proposed to my high school sweetheart. I invited my father to come to my wedding and then he disowns me because I wasn't of the same faith. Mm -hmm. And that's all happened in less than a year. Yeah. And it messed me up. So it actually broke me open. And if I didn't do the personal development stuff that I was doing growing up and like spiritual, like spiritual stuff, I don't think I would have had the maturity or the ability or the capacity to navigate what I did. Like I wouldn't have been mature enough to say, okay, I might need some help. Mm. Like, you know, I didn't want to hide behind my certifications. I was, I was at that time, I was a certified strategic interventionist and a relationship educator, which means if somebody was suicidal or was depressed or was going through infidelity or divorce or whatever, I was equipped with the skills and the tools to help them, you know, prevent that divorce or save their life or do things. But I was 25 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, at that time, I needed I needed to receive and not lead. So to answer your question, that's what I was hoping. I was hoping that I would, I would feel more fulfilled, mm -hmm. but I actually ended up feeling more empty. And there were times where I even told myself this as like, I felt worse than an orphan because an orphan sometimes doesn't know who their parents are. I know who my parents are and they still didn't want me. Yeah. And that just messed me up. 
Yeah. So, so like, this is why I'm so big on love, especially a father's love. For some people, it's a mother's love. But when I'm talking about, like, when you have a father's love, the, the relationship with the father is so, so important because it is the foundation of your identity. Mm. And your identity is made up of your relationship between your worth and your wealth. The relationship of intimacy is found with your relationship with mother, with your mother. And if the if the relationship wasn't mature or established or healthy, your intimacy or relationship with intimacy gets twisted and perverted. Mm. So what you find that's happening around the world right now, I don't care what status you're in. I don't care if you're a multi-billionaire or you're, you know, you're making six figures a year or you're struggling to make ends meet. I don't care, right? Usually people are trying to navigate the relationship between their identity and intimacy. Those are the two things. Right. And there are certain patterns that keep revealing themselves until those areas are healed. And when I think of a father's love, at least our heavenly father's love, you heard me say this before. I said, there are many ways to God, but there's only one way to the father. Yep. The only way to the father is through Jesus. You can see why Jesus has so much controversy attached to his name, mm. right? Because as long as what's called the enemy, Satan, I believe, I believe we're in a spiritual warfare right now uh, sure. around the world. As long as the enemy or the, the promoters of evil are getting their way, the number one area they will attack is identity. That's the number one area. Because yeah, as happening. long as I can... As long as I can confuse you about who you are and where you belong, I can name you. And when I name you, I claim you. Mm. So if you're being named anything other than what God called you, which is a child of God, then you're not in his jurisdiction called the kingdom. You're not a citizen of the kingdom. Mm. You're an orphan that's of the world. Now you're in Satan's jurisdiction. You belong yeah. to him. Okay, and if you if you look at it, whether you believe in what I what I've come to believe now, I used to call myself a truth seeker, but I didn't realize that, like I was looking for the truth in the form of information. I didn't realize that the truth was a person. Mm. When he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," no one can come to the Father except through me. Meaning, I can know where God lives. I know his address, but it doesn't mean I can sleep over his house. Mm. Doesn't mean that he'll let me in. I can, I can camp right outside, <laughs> right on the lawn. And I used to tell people, like, I go to a temple, I'd find God. I'd go to a mosque, I'd find God. I'd go, because God is omniscient, omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? But that doesn't mean that I have intimacy with him. Mm. You see? I get it. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what's different about that whole relationship, if you will. Absolutely. Like I'm just claiming what's what's available to me that I never knew was available to me because I didn't feel worthy of Sure. Sure. Now on the flip side of it, you know, one thing that I admire was the fact that you didn't sell out who you are at your core for what you could have had monetarily on your father's side. Yeah. What's so what's your advice to the people that, you know, it's a lot easier for people like myself who aren't in that position to, 
you know, commend, but when you're faced with that, like that takes courage, that takes trust in yourself, that that takes so many really beautiful characteristics. So what would you say to yourself making that decision? Now, I'm sure you wouldn't change that decision, but like, is there anything you would tell yourself if you could speak to you at that point? Matt, first of all, I commend you on such a powerful and profound question. That's a good question. I appreciate Um, it, bro. It's more exhausting living under a lie where you have to pretend to be someone that you're not just to be accepted Mm. by someone who claims to love you. Whether that someone is your family member, whether that someone are a bunch of followers, like I've always, actually it's not, that's not true. I've learned to value being unapologetically self-expressed while unconditionally loving myself because I knew that no one was able to go, no one was going to be able to express who I was to them. And no one was going to love me in the way that I was looking for. Yeah. Cause I've been let down before. Right. And so I think the, the painful experiences at the time when I was, when I was growing through it, I didn't realize that my pain gave, gave birth to my purpose. And the, the, every wound is a wound that will give rise to your assignment. Mm. Right. So sometimes in the area like where you feel like you're being buried alive, you're actually being planted Mm. to die so that something new can come alive in you. And so I appreciate you saying like I was courageous, but at that time I was I was just full transparency. I was just exhausted lying because I've I've held I was living under a shadow, my dad's shadow. And I was I was keeping secrets that that were no longer serving me. If you keep secrets long enough like that, they're going to catch up, you know, they're going to hurt you. And one thing that I look back now, hindsight is 2020. So I look back, um, the greatest blessing that God's gave me was my wife, Kate. I didn't know it at the time. And it's funny because there are so many times, like I was so doubtful that we were, should have been together. Uh, even even when we we proposed, like I wasn't like, you know, uh, because you know we're young, I'm young, we, we could be with anybody. You know, I was traveling. We had five years long distance. You know, we live in the social media age. You got porn, you got this, you got that, you got temptations, sure. distractions everywhere, right? Like nobody in their right mind would stay with one person when they were fourteen, fifteen. At least not these days, right? Mm. So there was that, and I, you know, I really have to like thank my father. Because, and I, and thank my mom because I honor them. If it wasn't for their example of what not to do, I wouldn't have done and become who I am today mm-hmm. in the process, you know? So I'm not going to sit here, blame them for my struggles. And if I am, I'm going to, I'm going to blame them for my success as well, because they're really like, some people feel weird because they grow through certain things that were out of protection for the people that they love. They don't want to disclose it. You know, but I feel like if you don't share it, you're robbing them from the opportunity to heal and transform as well. Mm. I know that there's going to be a process for them and every adult, I don't care how old you are. You're just, you're living, you're, you're a child living in an adult body, meaning there's still childhood wounds. It's like, even in business, you can run a, a, a $1 billion a year company 
And you know that, you know, most people don't have business problems. They have personal problems that they bring into business, mm-hmm. you know? So all the patterns that, you know, it's interesting. The word pattern comes from a root word called padre. Mm. What does padre mean? Father. Yeah. Father. So every pattern stems from a lack or an abundance of a relationship with the father. Mm. And every pattern gets broken when a relationship with a father comes into the mix. This is why everyone needs to have a relationship with their heavenly father. Yeah. And everybody needs to make right. And it's, it's crazy. All communication. Like I was one of my, one of my, my mentees, he's a multimillion dollar, uh, multimillionaire in real estate. He does like fix and flipping and, and multifamily. And when we originally connected, it wasn't for business. He was going through something in his relationship and I helped him in that area. And that was good. But he has a he has a theme in his business dealings where he doesn't communicate. Mm. Like he he's not an emotional guy. He just likes to look at the numbers. But if you focus on the numbers too much, you'll 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 become the root word, which is numb. Right. And it's interesting because people are so afraid to being sensitive because they're afraid of being taken advantage of. Mm. But it's in your sensitivity where God will speak to you mm. when you least expect it. In the, in the Bible, in the, in, in the book of Job, verse uh, chapter 33, verse 14, says, For God speaks once and even twice, but man perceives not. Mm-hmm. So he's already speaking to you, but you're not perceiving it. Like, and, and even when I was spiritual, I never gave credit to him speaking to me. I would just say it's the universe or you know, divine synchronicities or whatever. Um, but I can see now like his grace has been on my life for all of my life. Yeah. Now, now I'm finally giving credit where credit is due. But Absolutely. at that time, I was like, you know, look how strong I am. I'm amazing. I did this. I invested in this. Da, 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 da. That doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I want to circle back to the relationship piece that you just mentioned. You know, you said that you had doubts. And I, I mean, I think that's pretty normal and natural, regardless of age or anything. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're, we're going to have doubts. What led you to move through those doubts? Like what, what were the signs or the particular experiences that said, you know what, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, honestly, it was just faith. Mm. Like I just bet on myself. Like I just knew the type of person I was. And at that time, right or wrong, I'm the type of person who writes my wrongs, right? Like, that's just my, that was just my mentality. And it was, it was like almost like a coping mechanism or survival mechanism that I had to integrate in my psyche because like, I, you, like nobody knows, like nobody really, really knows sure. unless, unless you have the mind of Christ alive in you and you start prophesying. Right. And you can see and hear God move in that way, which I've, <laughs> I've experienced, I've experienced, uh, like I've seen, I've been, I've been the benefactor of that. So I, I know that exists. Um, but if you don't know what you don't know, then there's a nowhere inside of you that does know. Mm. And to me, that's where faith comes alive. You know, it's, it says walk by faith, not by sight, but in the Bible it says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So there's that inner knowing, like if you're spiritual, you know it. You can sense it. Like I've always felt I was spiritual. Like I knew the names of my kids. I knew I was going to have three kids one day when I was 15 years old. I knew the names mm-hmm. of my, our kids. You know, like there's a part of me that saw that 
And it's interesting because, you know, in the self-help spiritual development world, we call it like law of attraction and, you know, having a strong vision and goals and all of that. But in the Bible, it talks about how God will speak to you in your visions and dreams. And sometimes the dreams and the visions that you have, they're not your own. You see, here's what people miss. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says we were created in his image. Okay? Now, most people think that that means my flesh looks like him. No. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, I'm going to misquote it, but it says, Sanctify you holy spirit and soul and body. That means the same way that God is a trinity, imagine one triangle with three sides, yeah. Father, Son, Spirit. We have a trinity. The same, that, same way that water can exist in three dimensions, solid, like ice, liquid, and gas. We have three dimensions in body, soul, and spirit. Mm -hmm. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. The mind thinks, the will chooses, and the emotions act. So where I was operating in my season of success, whatever I thought my success was, was operating in the realm of the soul. But there's a part of me that was a spirit inside of that. That's separate. The spirit inside of me is what was created in his image. Mm -hmm. And so when God wants to speak to you, the way that he will speak to you is through your imagination. If you break down the word imagination, you get imagine nation. So image nation. Basically, your imagination is a nation of his image. And the way that he will speak to his creation that was created in his image is through the images that he gives you or impressions he gives you through visions and dreams. Are you capturing? Yeah. So from there, your imagination is the portal of communication between you and God. Now, we've been conditioned as a society to think, oh, no, if it's in your imagination, it's make-believe. No, your imagination makes you believe in the things of the unseen. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of that which is unseen or not seen. Mm. Okay? That means faith is evidence of the invisible. So, how, so that means faith is the eyes of God. So when you walk by faith, you're not just walking like, oh, you're not seeing your own natural eyes, the, the flesh eyes. There's, there's a knower inside of you that knows, and you might not understand it fully, but there's a part of you. You might call it your intuition. You might call it your you know, instinct or intelligence, whatever you call it. It's speaking to you, and that's God alive in you speaking to you. Mm. See, most people... <laughs> Poor believers, they don't, they don't capture this. Yet it's in your Bible. <laughs> right. If, if, you go to, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, it says the eye that. is the lamp of the body. The mm. eye. Not the eyes. The eye. What eye? Your imagination. Mm. What do you see when you close your eyes? You know, in the darkness, you can't see an image unless there's light. Right. No, 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 I get that. It makes me, it makes me rebuttal. And listen, by the way, I didn't show you this. I literally have in God, I trust tattooed across my chest. I'm, I'm born Roman Catholic. So I, I get this stuff. No, no, I'm not, I'm not speaking to you. There's somebody in there I'm listening to right now. I can hear him saying like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me, it makes me ask you this, right? You're talking about how 
the way I interpret it is our imagination are images from God. Like that's the way I'm interpreting that in short. So what happens when, or, or what's your take, your feedback when I ask you, so then why do we imagine negative things? Like, why do we imagine? Oh. Can you see me? Okay. I see you. I see you. Sorry, I went blurred out. <laughs> um, it's very simple. So in, and again, <laughs> please read your Bibles or like, I'm, I'm coming from the place of scripture right now. And just, just for a preface, reading the scripture is not the word. Okay. Because in, in John 1, 1, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Mm. Okay. So the word exists before the voice is expressed. Before he said, let there be light, there was the word. So before there was sound, the word is light. Yeah. And the light reveal, revealed the voice. Okay? So and there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. In the Bible, it talks about your carnal nature and your spiritual nature. Okay? Now, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So let's just, let's just say it's your imagination. If you're carnally focused, which is the body and the soul combined that's focused in the world, the carnal things of the world, the pleasurable things of the world, what was supposed to be spiritual now becomes sensual. What's supposed mm. to be spiritual now becomes sexual. So what's the difference between masturbation and meditation? To me, I, my, the first thing that comes to mind is that masturbation can be a meditation for some people. For some, and it is, and it's, I'm not saying, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. I'm just saying it's the most people who masturbate, they have fantasies. Mm. Okay. So they're using their imagination. And when, when the enemy wants to hijack, he will hijack your imagination mm. to fantasize. Now this is like, imagine before porn and all of that, where they got sure. visual stimulation, but it's still using that part of you. That part of you, your imagination, was supposed to be a portal of communication. So as long as I can hijack your portal of communication between you and God yeah, with the worldly things, I got you enslaved in my jurisdiction, a.k.a. Satan saying this. Yeah, yeah. So this is why I said when the enemy wants to attack, the number one area he'll attack is identity. And the first place to attack the identity is the identity of a father. Because if you could destroy the identity of a father within a nucleus of a family— now you destroy everything that God is about, which is family, marriage, ministry. Sure. Yeah. You see? So like, I, and so you, look at, you look at the whole world right now, and, and even if you don't believe in what I'm talking about, right, you would agree with the statistics. Most marriages, like over 50% of marriages end in divorce, mm. right? You're getting people who are getting, um, how shall I say, desensitized visually and sexually mm. because of all of the overstimulation that's going on in the world. And you're having people, especially in the millennial age and even the younger age, I mean, they don't know how to become, they don't know what it means to be a man. They don't know what it means to be a father. They don't know what it means, like any of that, right? I'm 35 years old at, at, at the, this recording. When I was back in the spiritual days, you wouldn't find a guy like me married for 20 years with the same woman. Right. Right. Like those valid, I was never a, a religious man, but I was always a principled man. Mm. Right. I, I, I understood wisdom and principles, you know, yeah. it's like, it just makes sense. So I don't know. I'm going on a tangent here, but, uh, I love that. You know, uh, no, you have time for three more questions. I'll ask you three more. I, I mean, we're, listen, I got, a, I got a full 45 minutes as long as your audience doesn't get bored. <laughs> 
let me ask you three because I want to respect your time. I can literally go all day. Oh, uh, let's go. Listen, I got time. I got okay. my neck. I got two hours. Okay. So let me ask you this. I mean, I'm sure, you know, whether it be from your clients or community or your family, whomever, you probably get a ton of questions. What's a question you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer that? Oh, that's a great question. That's a question that I wish somebody asked. And I I would answer that by like, I want more questions like that. (laughs) Uh, Jokes aside. This is a question that I wish more people would ask me. Is it worth it losing your entire reputation and your image to talk about Jesus 24 seven. Mm. Well, I already know how you're going to answer that because you're doing it. <laughs> no, actually, that's not the answer. Okay. It's not a yes. Okay. And th- I'm going to go into the principle of why I get paid the big bucks when it comes to speaking, coaching, mentorship, finding people right. a message. Okay. It depends on who you're speaking to. Mm. See, in marketing and in business, you have to meet your ideal prospects where they're at. You have to enter the conversation in their mind, in their heart. You can't just force them. It's like being in a relationship, right? And you might have the right answer for your partner, but she just wants somebody to understand her mm. in that moment. Like, but you just want to fix. <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But hold on, but do you understand what I'm going through? Mm. Like, do you understand what I'm struggling with? It's the same thing in business, right? So I think the, the answer is yes and know who you're speaking to, Mm. right? I'll never apologize for my stance on where I'm at in the season that I'm at. I'll never, because to me, it's important for people to know what I stand. I don't want to manipulate somebody or trick them and bait and switch them to think that I'm one thing and then they see another, right? So sometimes I'd rather air it all just to be honest, but I want to be empathetic and understanding to where a person is at, in that season. Like I would rather people demonstrate by example, Christ's love versus telling me about who Christ is. Mm. Show me, don't tell me, show me. And it was interesting because my, from 21, I'm 35 now from 21, my, the greatest mentors that I've always admired happen to be believers in Christ. And I always found that as like an interesting theme, you know, had a family, they're good people, but those are the ones I respect the most because they didn't force their belief system on me. Yeah. You know? And so I just respected them more. I, they were just good people. But what I wish I wish I heard more of why they believed in what they believed and why they, they were a stand for what they were a stand for. Right. I, I tell my clients, your brand is your stand. What do you stand for? Mm-hmm. See, most people, when they're building their businesses and they're building their brands, they're building it on what they do. What they do should be an expression of who you are. And so if your why doesn't make you cry, you'll, you're building a brand on a lie. So, what is your why ultimately? So the answer is, is for me, obviously, I just want people to 
to meet me where I'm at, but also tell me why is it that they're so convinced that this is the truth in that mm. moment? Because it will give that. me insight and foresight without making me feel like I'm doing something wrong or I feel bad along the way. Because sure. I think I think a lot of people are self-righteous in how they go about it, mm. you know, and and you know, in the Bible it says your your righteousness is like filthy rags. So it's, there's nothing I could have done or said or to earn his love or his grace. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's through his, he's, he says in the Bible, I chose you. You didn't choose me. So I'm like, that. okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, man. Um, you've obviously given us, given us a lot. Like everyone's walking away from this, including myself. Like we're walking away from this conversation with a lot to digest, process, apply, etc. This question was asked to me on this show by a gentleman named Dr. Michael Gervais. He's a like, sports psychologist with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I, don't, I don't want to assume your answer, so this is why I'm asking it. The question is, how would my life be different if I knew what you know? Huh. Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's a question... Okay, there's a there's a before Christ version of me that would have answered that question by saying, "Oh, you'd have more fulfillment, more success, you you'd be whatever." After Christ version of me would say, "It's not what I know, it's who I know." Mm. And when you, when you know who I know to be the way, the truth, and the life, your life will never be the same. Yeah. In every aspect of your life, when you have like a real encounter, I pray like I really do do pray this for people who are listening to me and in this conversation right now that you invite a real encounter. Like let him reveal himself to you. Like even if you call yourself a Christian, but you like, you know, some people are just Christian in name only. Yeah. Oh yeah, I grew up in church. My mom and my dad, they were Catholic or they were this or Protestant, blah, blah, blah. I'm a believer. I got baptized when I was younger, but is the heart like, do you hunger for Christ? Is your heart on fire for him? Or is there still, because when you have an encounter, ah, you're not the same. Hmm. You can't, you can't go from going one direction and thinking, you know, the plan to completely changing everything after one encounter without being completely transformed in the process. Right. It makes no sense. I used to make fun of Kanye West. I still do sometimes. Right. <laughs> like, like my wife called me, she's like, babe, you're coming out like, like Kanye. Now I understand. Like, he's not perfect by any means. But like the dude created a whole album about his, you know, Jesus walks with him. And, you right. know, I get it. When you have an encounter, you're no longer the same. Like, he's so big that you can't hide him. Mm. That's the transformation. In your life. So like, even for me, I was like, yo, like, what does this mean? Am I going all into ministry? Like, or am I just like, if you would have told me last year that I would have been baptizing business leaders and influencers and bringing them closer to Christ, I laugh in your face and call you a Jesus freak. Mm. I'm like, bro, who does this guy think? Yeah, here I am. I'm working with some of the most influential people who have massive audiences, who are very successful. Yet they still struggle with this orphan spirit. Yeah. And they don't know that they struggle with it 
yet they're hungry for a father's love. So if you knew who I knew, your life would never be the same. Period, point blank, end of story. So do you think, I've asked the question that I'm about to ask you in a different way. I, I had previously asked something along the lines of, do you believe everyone is meant to heal in this lifetime? But I'm going to ask you something different that's in alignment with that. I'm going to ask you, do you think everyone is destined to have an encounter with God the way that you have or the way that, let's say, Kanye has in this lifetime? That's a great question. I believe everybody has the opportunity if they're sincere. Okay. Meaning like, see, he won't come to you. And this has just been my experience. Okay. So take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. He didn't come to me because at first I was skeptical. I was still skeptical, but my heart was sincere. Like I was genuinely looking and searching for something because I've done everything in my power to achieve what I thought to be success. And success to me, like I never compared it to the people who have status, like, because I come from that world, mm. right? Like I've seen, I, I've, see, I've seen people who have money, okay? Sure. And I'm not impressed, right? Success to me was being the father and, and having the family and, and not, you know, achieving success at the expense or sacrifice of your family. Mm. So I was able to build that while achieving the millions in the process. And then, then I realized, wait, there's more. And I'll just say this. Anything other than what I've experienced now has always led to some form of addiction or obsession that was trying to fill a void or a hole. Now, because of who I know and how I've been transformed by him, Everything has been fulfilling. Like I feel, I, I feel full of his spirit. Mm. I have love, joy, peace that makes no freaking sense. Like I, in 2020, I was so like uptight. I'm like, this is what they're doing. The evil thing. The government is this. Da, da, da. And I was at it. I remember I was one of the early ones. And I hate to say this, but I'm just going to say it because there's somebody who needs to hear it right now. My wife and I were even thinking like the world got so dark. We're like, yo, what's like, how, how are we going to like take, take our lives if we had to make a choice? Because I'm not, I don't want my kids to inherit this. And we had a whole plan of like staying in the garage, like in the car and, you know, open up the window slightly and just letting the, the exhaust go out. And we would have a sleep, you know, peace. Like we planned this. Out. That's how dark it was at that time. Yeah. Right. Now I'm so excited for the future. Like you can't make this up. I have like so much faith in humanity. I have so much hope. I'm, I'm actually happy that more and more evil is being marketed on all the platforms because the more people know evil, the more they'll be looking for God mm. and they'll have hope. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says, out of these three, faith, hope, and love remains and the greatest of them all is love. Mm. Like that's what it's about. You know, so I, I believe that everybody has the opportunity if they approach the invitation sincerely, sincerely. If you're coming out of here and trying to prove something, da, 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 well, your mind is going to be your barrier. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Before I ask you a last question, what do you have going on that we should make people aware of? Like any upcoming projects or I, anything of that yeah. sort? So many different things. So, um, 
So I do believe in having a spiritual father and I have a spiritual father. And the thing with the kingdom, when you operate in the kingdom, the ways of the kingdom, they're different than the ways of the world. So um, I believe we all need to be under authority so that we can move with honor and humility, especially in the kingdom. So um, my spiritual father instructed me to go back to what I left, which is speaking and coaching and consulting, even though I wanted nothing to do with it. So he asked me to go back with speaking on stages because there's going to be a blessing there where people are going to come to know him, whether I talk about him or not, because they're going to experience his spirit. So um, I'm, I'm going back. I'm accepting invitations to speak on stages like I used to. Uh, 2016, I had over 120 paid speaking engagements around the world. And it wasn't the right business model for me. I was just thinking about what I wanted to do and being there for my family. But now my kids are in school, so I'm going back on the road. I'm, I'm saying yes to the right type of stages uh, sure. and podcasts. And, uh, and the other thing that I'm creating right now is I have a ministry called Fruitful Father Ministries. Uh, if you go to fruitfulfather.org, and it's just more of like, I just want to inspire others to experience the Father's love through His voice. Yeah. And it, it's just a message that I'm sharing. And, and like anything that I do when people donate to it, I just go back and donate to orphanages or churches or people who need that. It just funds different things. Um, but the thing that I'm, I'm working on right now um, is kingdomclosers.com. Uh, Kingdom Closers is a private experience, uh, like a mentorship program uh, for the right type of leader. So Kingdom Closers are leaders who are bringing others closer to Christ. Mm. And the vision is to transform a thousand business leaders to save a billion souls by 2030. The mission is to make more money to give more to God's children, charities, and churches and causes. And the, the process or the pathway is to make more money, keep more money, grow more money, and gift more money to the kingdom, right? And so I feel inspired to empower the next generation of leaders to finance the kingdom. And the kingdom is not like, you know, four walls or anything like that. Sure. In the Bible, your body is the temple. And when the spirit of God is alive in you, he exists in your body. And when the kingdom is at hand, you know, in, in Matthew, I believe 633 says, seek, seek the, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be added onto you. Let me ask you a question, Matt. Ask. You ever play chess? Of course. Okay. Watch this. What's the most powerful piece on the chessboard? I mean, the initial answer I want to respond is queen, but I have a, a feeling you're going to say something different. Yeah. Well, most people would say queen and technically it is the most powerful piece. But yeah. strategically, it's not. Strategically, the most powerful piece is the pawn. Mm. But it depends on the hand that's moving it. Okay? The pawn is usually seen as the first one in battle that's going to be sacrificed mm. to expand the kingdom or to protect the, the king, right? To expand the territory. Sure. But if the hand that's moving it strategically positions the pawn as a living sacrifice in the enemy's jurisdiction it has the option to transform into the queen. Mm. Okay. This is why in the Bible, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And we're called the bridegroom. We're called the bride. He's the groom. So we're technically the queen. But right, right now, God, there's a move of God that's happening. Anybody who has eyes to see and ears to hear can witness it. Okay. And God is calling and choosing and selecting a bunch of pawns who will be living sacrifices for his glory. I'm one of them. 
you might be, there might be many people who are listening to this. This, this episode, I'm telling you, is going to be transformational for so many people if they truly listen to it. Because somebody's feeling called right now as I'm speaking. And as they're being called, they're about to go all in for the calling. So mm. when God calls you, he doesn't just call. Like if, if you had God's number on your phone and he's calling, you have to answer the call, pick it up to answer it. Sure. When you have a conversation, he's going to give you an invitation. So you have to accept the invitation to go all in for the calling. So I tell people to spell calling, right? You get C-A-L-L-I-N-G. But if you remove the C and the G, you find two words in the middle, which is all in. But what do the C and the G stand for? Choose God. Mm -hmm. So most people are confused about their calling or their purpose because they don't know the one who's calling them. Because they don't know the one who's calling them, they don't know who they are along the way. So I bring that up because I believe that there are many people who are leaders in the marketplace who are going to be transformed by Christ sooner than later. And when they do, God is going to use their influence to harvest a billion souls before 2030. And if you understand politics, you know why I chose 2030. It's a lot happening. I'm going to make sure that we, um, that we throw those links in the show notes. Like, I, I agree. I think this episode is very transformational. So um, I, yeah, I want to make sure. something different than the business and the success thing because, like, listen – when you experience something that transcends material success and possessions from someone who's actually achieved everything that he's ever yeah. wanted, they then they'll understand. Yeah. Right. It's and I, and I and I pray that you know people can receive the heart and the intent of where I was coming from, mm -hmm. and I hope Jesus turns your life upside down and inside out the way that He turned me and transformed me, and so that that way you can be used for His glory in in okay. due season. I love that. So again, for everyone tuned in, websites, socials, programs, what you just mentioned, all of that in the show notes. One last question for you. You live to whatever year you want to live to, whatever it is. You impact as many people as you want. You help as many people as you want, you know, see, find Christ, God, etc. You could only be remembered for one piece of advice, though. I'm not asking you how you want to be remembered. I'm asking if I thought, yeah, yeah, this is the piece of advice I think of that's attached to your name. What is it? Love. One word, love. 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 Oh, my God. So much in love. Mm -hmm. if, you if you break down the word love, you get listening overcomes virtually everything. Yeah. Love is the foundation of everything. Love is the key for your success in business. Business is all about relationships. If you don't know how to love, then you don't know how to relate. If you can't relate, you can't earn other people's trust in the process. Love is the key to everything that you're searching for. And I've experienced a father's love that makes no sense. So I just want my life to be attached to love. And coming alive in love. That's it. I love that. Yeah, yeah. This is incredible, brother. I just want to say thank you. Express gratitude, not only for your words, your wisdom, your experiences, but also your time. I mean, we weren't scheduled to go this long, so I appreciate your flexibility. Um, but seriously, thank you so much for this. And I thank you for reaching out to me. And I didn't know who you were before this. And, you know, I get, I get a bunch of podcast interviews. And sometimes, I, like nine times out of ten, I say no. Uh, but I just felt something right with you. Um, I appreciate and, that. And the way that you ask your question, you're a phenomenal host. And if there's anything that I can do to be of service to you and what you're building, whether it's, you know, online or offline, you just let me know. Uh, you got a fan here. 
you have just tuned into an all-new episode of the Decoding Success podcast featuring Yaya Bakar. On that note, you listen to this entire episode. So the first thing that I'm going to ask you is to make sure that you are sharing this with someone in your life. You wouldn't have made it to this point still hearing my voice if you didn't find this to be a value, if you didn't find this to be entertaining, if you didn't find this to impact yourself. So let's pass on that impact with someone in our life by clicking that share button and putting this in your group chat or on your Instagram story or whatever the case may be, wherever you feel is best to make that impact share this episode also you can check yaya out in the show notes of this episode as always where you're going to be able to find socials websites all of the good stuff that we had mentioned in this episode will be found in the show notes so make sure that you're checking him out follow him and listen tag him on instagram and let him know hey i just heard you on decoding success and i took x y and z away from that episode let him know that you heard his message and that it's impacting you today i'm sure he would absolutely love to hear that furthermore in the beginning of this episode, I mentioned the importance of clicking that follow button, that subscribe button, so that you are consistently keeping up with the content that we are putting out into this world for you. We're not doing this for me. Trust me, we are doing this for the community that we have built over the last five years and 300 plus episodes of podcasting. So make sure that you are clicking that button as well as that share button to get the word out there to impact the people that are in your life. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.